0: What's up guys? KC George going Joel Racing YouTube channel back with you on a Tuesday at five Eastern, so to speak. See champs over here making fun of me already in the uh, chat. Yeah, I left a little bit late at five cars over there and I would have had a buy run to the final, man. Uh, so here we are sitting in the chair upstairs, got some AC going because down beneath where we I'm normally at in the shop, it's about a hundred degrees down there right now. And uh, we got a little bit of remnants of the tropical storm coming through, a little bit of humidity, but uh, George, how are we doing, man? Doing
1: good, doing good, man. Yeah, I heard, uh, I, I might have received a text, maybe two, maybe five, uh, from the champ over there saying, uh, <laughs> man, he would have had to buy a run to the final if he wasn't 151 on the tree or something like that. His <laughs> opponent was 96, and I'm like, It was unbelievable. Something. This ain't the case, yeah, I know. But hey, you were letting go on the bottom, so I keep, we don't do that often. I mean, you and I are both top hey, ball braces.
0: We weren't letting right? go. We were swapping feet. You totally different Foot brake.
1: My bad, my bad. Add, hey. add a little bit more to the equation, you were you were swapping feet. So uh, feet. we don't do that often, Casey. We we let go of that little, that little button, that little red button in my car uh, that says, uh, hey, yeah, hang on for I a put,
0: second. I always put a green one in my car because that red is bad
1: luck. You you might been... be on to something. I probably need to get the color changed on my uh on my release button there and and I bet you I can call BRG, He probably got something for me to get it done with, you know? So so speaking of uh, we're, we're going to go a little bit do a little bit of clerical here real quick guys. From Going Bracket Racing to you guys out there on the World Wide web, drag racing fans, everybody in, involved in last week's stream, uh, we reached over 12,000 people last week, which is a a huge 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 jump for us here at the Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel. We can't thank you guys enough because that's the reason we reach so many people. Um certainly thank you for for chiming in and giving us your thought process uh, as we spoke with West Buck there last week and and uh then also wanted to go over another thing we got going on. I'll show you our link here just real fast to the gift shop. Uh maybe you get a chance to head over to our gift shop. Um Going Bracket Racing gift shop is live at the link below. It is also on the Going Bracket Racing uh, Facebook page. Uh, We'll get it posted to the YouTube channel here pretty quick. But uh, Casey's got on a Going Bracket Racing shirt. I have on a Going Bracket Racing hat. Everything will be updated pretty soon uh, in in order for you to be able to to represent Going Bracket Racing as you see fit. So, guys, uh, pretty nice material, if I might say so myself. I'm kind of liking it. This may not be a Going Bracket Racing shirt, but you Who's might be, able, George? You might be able to see who our fan, or should I say our guest is today, this old guy here. Today. We are fans of him. We're fans of him. 100%. <laughs> uh, so we definitely got a special guest coming on to us today. Don't forget, guys, to like and subscribe to the Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel. Um, it's basically going to give you the best way to get the updates. Uh, you can live chat over there, to Facebook or YouTube. So... But uh, without further ado, I'm going to hand it back to Casey, man. Hey, you can tell us a little bit more about the weekend, or you can uh, let us know what we got going on with our guest
0: today. Man, I think everybody saw what they needed to see this weekend. We had Champ there uh, taking videos and uh, making memes and all kinds of stuff, man. There's like a 1,000 people saw all those memes whenever he's over there picking on me. So I think we got enough said about this weekend. Uh, but long story short, man, we're going to have our very first return guest to the Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel. The Monday Morning Racer, MMR. What's up, man? How much more famous are you than you were last time?
2: (laughs) How much more famous am I than I was last time? Well, gentlemen, things have grown. Things have definitely progressed. And it's always good to be a return guest on any show. And gentlemen, look. I think y'all are doing a great job. By the way, everybody out there in internet land, I want you to know, I was kind and gracious enough to say, gentlemen, let West Buck have my spot. So y'all can thank me, y'all can
0: that thank me. True. <laughs> that is <laughs> true, that is true. But uh, Lee, we're gonna get right into it here with you, man, because like I said before we got on this stream, even though we put West Buck in your spot, and I'm sorry for that, but. Even though we did that, I have written a lot of questions and George has written a lot of questions and we specifically wanted to talk about these questions with the Monday Morning Racer because you are NHRA savvy and we just wanted to, you know, have somebody who really was on the inside tell us what they thought about all this stuff. So question number one. Is the private sector capable of taking sportsman drag racing, the sportsman side, now I'm not talking about alcohol, I'm talking about like stock, super stock, uh, maybe the 90 categories, something like that, away from NHRA as far as professional level, national events, divisionals, things like that, because we've seen some several, we've seen several, I should say, large like 50 grand stock and super stock races this year Uh, I mean, is it possible for a promoter to put on an entire series even that is like NHRA centric, sportsman category centric? Is that even possible? Well, first,
2: being NHRA savvy, let me comment to that. I don't know how savvy I am on the NHRA, but I'm definitely savvy of dodging officials. I've gotten good at that uh, at the track, ducking and You know, ducking in between trailers and making sure I stay out of the way of all the gray shirts. I don't know. I get eyes on me every now and then. I don't quite fit in to the uh, professional realm of NHRA drag racing. To answer the particular question, is it possible? Well, man, look, anything's possible. But sadly, I think right now the answer is no. And it's not the NHRA's fault. It's the drag racer. And it's, it's like drag racers have Stockholm Syndrome or something. It's like they get you know, into the domestic dispute, and it's with the NHRA all the time. And I've seen it. Las Vegas, I can remember, I think it was Superstock. They're lined up in the lanes. Uh, kind of like uh, that. The, they're lined up, not in the lanes, but they're in that section, getting ready to go in the actual lanes, stacked up like you would see on the NASCAR All-Star race. They're, you know, that way, they're... They're diagonally up against the wall at Las Vegas, and they're called to the lanes and start driving up to the lanes. And then the same NHRA official that told them to get in the lanes comes back and says, go back to your pits because they're bringing another class up. And you've got cars going out of the lanes with cars coming into the lanes. Worst show I've ever seen in the lanes of a drag strip. And I just thought to myself, why did these people keep doing this? Folks, for whatever reason, the allure of winning that Wally. And you asked the question earlier on your social media feed on going bracket racing Facebook page, and that was the common answer. There's still something to winning that Wally. Look, why does alcohol still show up? I know you said not alcohol, but why do they still show up as like they get treated? The Wally. Look, yeah. Rockingham in a week. In a week, Rockingham is going to have dig or die, big money drag- big money no prep, back of the track drag racing, and for the first time ever, there's going to be a wally
0: given. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of hysteria around a wally. Well, you know why that is? Is because don't forget. What is it? I mean it might be 10 years ago now When did street outlaws start But don't forget NHRA was trying to revoke People's competition licenses And competition numbers If they appeared on street outlaws In the beginning And now they're trying to jump on board
2: Right I definitely think the NHRA With saying no And with you mentioning that I think the NHRA does have a positive trend Happening I don't think it's going to be As quick as a positive rise That we will want to see But I think things are turning I think matters are changing over there The conversations I've had With Glenn Cromwell The Competition Plus Power Hour interview And then two conversations I've had with him At Epping and at Norwalk I think things are in a positive light For the future Now I have spoken with a multi-time top fuel champion who is not out there currently. He does match race his own top fuel dragster and occasionally gives a piggyback ride to some individuals (laughs) if you know what I mean. In private conversation with this particular driver, he mentioned that it's not so much the Prez, but other individuals that I will leave unnamed that really have the power In that organization and they're the ones of concern I've heard rumors that it's the legal team who knows I think we've seen some positive moves but sadly man though there are great events putting out a lot of money right now I think the critical difference is you said series Look, you asked Wes Buck, and I asked him this when we had him on the Competition Plus Power Hour. He admitted it's easier to do a one-off race like the one, like the World Door Slammer Nationals. When you get into the mode of a series, though, and you're traveling and you're setting up points-paying events and you're going for an overall championship like that, you have cut the possibility of a purse
1: huh.
2: uh, being a great amount, huh. I think. It's harder to run
1: a series. Yeah, I don't disagree with that either. Uh, you know, um, just a lot more goes into the planning. Number one, where to have the race. Number two, where are they going to follow me from this race to that race the easiest? So it's got to be a lot of logistics that goes on behind that that make things a little bit – should I say make them run a little bit you know, more smooth. Uh, but we, we talk about all these big money races and things of that nature, and I can't help but wonder, in your opinion – can we see a huge super gas or a super a super comp or even a stock in any of the street categories in that matter? Can we see a million dollar race with those categories or even you know 50 25? Uh, you know, are we gonna see more of those things in your opinion? Uh, because yes NHRA is in a great spot, but man No, these one-off races are putting on even West Buck himself or, or at that ratio, they were paying ten, ten, ten and up, ten grand and up. So, are we going to see some bigger races?
2: Oh, it's going to happen in the future. I think one class, and and it's not a class you mentioned, but I think one class in the future that will have standalone events and will have big money behind it. I would say twenty five thousand. That's going to be outlaw six thirty two or pro six thirty two. That's you know, definitely being heavily run in the PDRA, I think that class will eventually have its own show, one type of event, and you you don't have Pro Mod there, you, or you don't have Pro Nitrous, Pro Boost, or NHRA Pro Mod, but it is these cars. It, that class right now heads up eighth of mile with its particular rules. It's got an old school Pro Mod flair to it that is just popular. I find it fascinating oftentimes with my videos on the Monday Morning Racer YouTube channel of showing the actual racing round by round action lately. Pro 632, with my channel at least, has had more views than Extreme Pro Stock and Pro Nitrous often. I find that fascinating. You would think Pro Nitrous and mountain motor pro stock would definitely outweigh pro 632 but they seem to be more popular and they are they are right now a class that just harkens back to what pro mod kind of was because i think you would admit you would admit along with me pro mod especially the nhra it's become
1: a bit well boring back burner is the best word i think it's like okay uh Let's slow these guys down. I know we had some horrible wrecks there a couple of years back. Let's put something different on these cars and make them do some things here, do some things there. But then you can turn around in the same breath and watch other other races just let it outlaw and then succeed at it. So go ahead, Casey.
0: Well, I was gonna say the issue with Promod currently too is they're slowing them down in an incorrect way, in my opinion. They're making these cars so heavy when you get a car like that flipping, because pro mods are ill handling, they're they're the new fuel altered, you know? And they're so fast now that that they're they're like I said, they're the new fuel altered. And when you get one of those out of shape and you get one flipping, the heavier it is, the longer it's gonna take to stop, the more stuff that's gonna fly off of it, because those cars are built as light as possible. You have to put ballast in those cars. That ballast is very easily broken away in a crash. You're going to have that hurling through the air. I mean, it's dangerous for the fans. It's dangerous for the other driver. Um, at times, I mean, I know at some bracket events, uh, there's been some dragsters. I, I know one guy in particular at, a, at an event. Whenever I was a kid, he had a dry sump system that blew a dry sump hose, got under the uh, got under the tire of a dragster, crashed at the big end, and. The big block Chevy out of this car, 850 pounds flying through the air, flew over the road, gotcha. the next next door, into the guy's front yard. I mean, that's like a
1: meteorite. Right? right, right. No, so I, I definitely uh, I like your answer to that question. And there's just so many pro mods out there. Um, I mean, gee whiz, you can count you you can't count, especially out where you guys are, how many pro mods that there are just hanging around waiting for a good race to go to. So. Um, so I think Casey you got the next question there but I definitely wanted to get that question out there. Let's go to the chat here because there's some on the Facebook side of things there's some pretty some pretty I won't call it uh you know point fingers or blame game but there's a lot of things going on inside of drag racing that people are wanting to you know kind of get out. Uh one being treatment and you touched it. You touched it uh uh, Lee, when you said I watched this class go to the lanes, they were called by the guy and they were just told to go right back. Well, the sportsman racers of NHRA really do get the back burner. Um, I don't have a better way to put it, I, unless it's yeah, it's a filler type of feel. But I, I don't know, Lee. Is it going to change? Can it change? You know, um, that's that's a lot of people uh, people's questions. Uh, the preferential treatment to the pro categories is a little bit disheartening for somebody paying quite a bit of money to get to that race as well.
2: Man, I don't, again, it shocks me how many people still in the sportsman ranks go to NHRA drag racing with the treatment that has been for so long. I have heard horror stories. I have seen that moment in Las Vegas and was just astounded. And, For what you're paying to get in and what it takes to get into the money round compared to even your local track, from what I understand. Again, it's all about the prestige factor, and it can change. It's going to have to be a concerted effort from the top of the NHRA. And I want to say this. And for those of that are watching, and I imagine you you have y'all two have a, a racer's crowd watching you, I would love to hear from the chat. Is it different track to track? Because I really think some of the treatment, the issue, is maybe not just NHRA at Glendora. They may not even know what is going on. And it may be a situation where because of this particular track stance with a professional event that you're running into issues compared to other tracks. Like, I would, I would imagine that the Norwalk experience for sportsman racers is different from the ZMAX experience. That's what I'm getting at. And I wonder if it's an issue at that level and even track culture not so much as NHRA culture.
1: Yep, and while they answer here, because that's a great question, and uh, while the Boom record Racing followers and and all the NHRA lovers, drag racing faithful, while they're responding, it's really a good life to put that question into, Lee. Um, Sometimes you'll go to a track that, man, it just isn't set up right for you to flow correctly, or you park park this this group of cars over here and they should have been over there because now the pits are all jumbled up trying to get back to it. Um, so, I, I haven't gotten quite an answer on the, the the Facebook side of it besides some someone feeling nope, it's it's not going to be this, the same. It's kind of the same track to track as what he's saying. He thinks it's the NHRA officials running each track. So, well, I think you know that what changes I would like across to know? the board. Hmm? What I would like to know,
0: uh, and I wish Chris Sullivan was in here because he chases a lot of that stuff, and uh, he was chiming in on on our post earlier, and uh, he's I, I believe. He was last year's division three super Conf champion, and I think he might be leading the points for the national championship right now, or at least it's pretty high up there. But anyway, that's a friend of me and George's from uh, gateway international raceway area. Uh, but I would like to know, I know it's like that at national events, Is it like that at divisional events? Because, first of all, on one hand, in the NHRA's defense, which we don't come to their defense a lot of the time, but in the NHRA's defense, if you're running a national event, you know what you're in for because you know that the show is the fuel cars, the professional categories, pro-stock, pro-stock, motorcycle, pro-mod, things like that. Now, at a divisional level, is it as bad? That's what I would like to know. If anybody knows that in the chat, let us know. It would be very interesting to... uh, to know and uh by the way we'll give a couple shout outs here race car revolution thanks for tuning in t-bird racer mopar man what's up um, but it's like champ says in here man a wally's a wally you can't get it anywhere else.
1: i know i want one let's not get it let's not get it misconstrued uh I, I made it to the semifinals in the race for a wally uh and uh just came up a little bit short um missed it by thou actually and uh and it was just a regular jig super quick race that i just so happened to be running super pro uh on the side of it i just run a top you know and my dad and uncle are competing for the for the jigs super quick wally well i was just this close to getting what i i'm after one myself even if it's only just one wally it really it really is the gold man is I want to get I want to get my Gatorade or whoever sponsoring me Sprite. I want to get my that's, Sprite out and just that's true, throw it on top I mean, of the gold man because man, I, I like to feel what that's like. You know, I have
0: I have two of them. I know I know how important they are, uh, and they are important. I mean, for what you don't care about the check as much whenever you get that because it's it's unattainable. That's the thing. It's an unattainable thing, and Wally Parks did a great job of making it where only certain people get it. Because he could have easily said anybody gets it. That's the trophy. People have given out trophies forever, you know. But you only get that at certain times.
1: And that's why it's
0: special. It means more than money.
1: No, but as we keep, keep going on through here, man, I think, Casey, you got question number three?
0: Yeah. So do you think that these mega bracket races, $100,000 Hundred thousand dollars and up is is not out of the question anymore. I mean, it's they're just it's to the point now where if it doesn't have a hundred thousand and above, everybody's kind of like, eh. you know, it's unbelievable, you know. But do you think these mega races, hundred thousand dollars and up, in the bracket racing community, are pulling some of the racers out of the sportsman ranks or out of the NHRA points chase tours? Uh, you know, and this would apply more than 90 categories because superstock and stock, like they have their own genre, and they can't really go somewhere else because you can't put, uh, you know, 12 runs on a superstocker in in one day. A superstocker that's legal anyway, because you might be wearing out flat tap cams and you're running it too hard and all this stuff. But do you think that's pulling, I guess, competitors away from the NHRA ranks? now that they're televised on like motor mania and bank shift or otherwise. And now those guys, if they're lucky, if the time slot allows, if they get to the finals, they may be on camera for 10 seconds, things like that. Do you think that their sponsors want them to be on motor mania because they can go lose first round, go lose second round. Now they're on TV twice as long, uh, to, Who knows how many people, you know, Wes said, well, no, because national TV is national TV and that's that. And I can see that point, but I wanted to get your opinion on that.
2: I think when you look at car count and the folks going to compete for those big money bracket races, you're going to find a crowd within the racing crowd And let me say, it seems like just racers love punishment anyways, and that's why I just keep going to, I mean, like, why why do people race? Honestly, you're continually tuning on a car, you're putting yourself in a high-pressure situation, especially in drag racing, where it comes down in, like, one moment. One moment. It's not like circle track racing where, you know what, I missed him that lap. Let me cool the tires off a little bit. Let me get them five to go. No, no, no. It is like, let me put it on. Let me t- Let me put two little light bulbs on and put my whole entire weekend on whether I go green or red and how close I am to it. Yeah, drag racers just love punishment, all right? So, car count you got those guys that are highly competitive maybe they have finally got their feel of what the nhra does or does not do and they're like i'm gonna go big money bracket race i'm gonna go take this shot for a hundred thousand dollars and i'm gonna be on motor mania i'm gonna be on bang shift i'm gonna plug my sponsors i'm gonna have a great weekend and go win a lot of money well when he moves out there's a guy at a local track that knows he's going there and has said, "I've never had a chance to win a Wally because that guy's got the Wally. He's going there. I'm going to get me my Wally."
0: Very good point. Very good point. The uh, and that's we've been getting a lot of uh, a lot of action in the chat on that right there, and it's it's all coming down to a Wally's a Wally, man. And uh, like we said previously. Wally Parks did a great thing by making this thing unattainable, and and there's only a, at whenever I was uh, younger, uh, and I had won those back in back in the day. Whenever I was a good racer, whenever I was like, I was, like 10 or 15 years younger, and uh, I could win a Wally, but you could only win it once a year at the at the normal sportsman level without going to divisionals and nationals and doing all that kind of stuff. So that being said. We're getting into some real MMR stuff right now. All right? Here we go. Do you think, and this throws, this is actually a question I had whenever I first realized who Monday Morning Racer was, first time I ever saw you on YouTube, even. It's going back to a pro stock question. Do you think if pro stock cars were again real cars with like enhanced safety features, things like that, you know, would that allow the class to become popular again? Because now, you know, and bring in new fans because now you can actually have that car. Like, yeah, maybe you only have a six-cylinder Camaro, but it looks like a Camaro. You know, it looks like that pro-stock car. You can dream that that could be you. You know, like if you bought the base model V8 car, you could still be like, oh, man, if I worked on this and worked on that. And, yeah, you'd have to put tons and tons of money into it, and you would not ever be competitive. but But you could attain it. That's my point.
2: Well, you're referring to a video that, on my YouTube channel, I have it titled, Can NHRA Pro Stock Survive? Or Will NHRA Pro Stock Survive? And it's been a popular video of mine. There's been many to agree with me, there have been some to disagree with me, but there's people out there that wanna fuss with me over my shade. so not everybody's (laughs) gonna agree in life. Look, right now, To answer your question, let me first say, right now, it fascinates me in NHRA Pro Stock or the commentary on NHRA Pro Stock that no one says what they often say about the fuel classes. This is what I mean. With the fuel classes, oh, Dodge Schumacher Racing and John Force Racing, that's all there is. What if they packed up their bags and left? Ah! Well, what if Richard Freeman packed up his bags and left? Uh, no No one says that, or at least I don't hear it. Now, right now, the engine lease program has given new life and vitality to Pro Stock, and that is a great thing. I love Pro Stock. It's great to see that there is new life to it, and there's a new crop of racers coming in that are so young, like Kyle Koretsky and Aaron Stanfield and Troy Coughlin Jr., so on and so on, but... You've got a similar situation where if one man wants to pack up his bags and leave, the class is going to hurt. And I think that's a problem we've got, not just in fuel, but in pro stock. And look, the only way that the manufacturers are going to, at this point, be involved is, look, they got to make their money. they got to see a direct line of win on Sunday, sell on Monday. And... That's not being served at all when the car doesn't look anything like the actual OEM product. And don't tell me it can't be done. Look at the – who's the guy that's got uh, the Camaro in the no-prep scene that is – Ryan Farball? Ryan? uh, Yes. Yes. Ryan Martin. That thing looks like a Camaro. Exactly. (laughs) You know, Lizzie Lizzie Musi's car before this new one she rolled out Man, that's beautiful. like a Camaro. Right. That
1: is a it beautiful is car.
2: Late auto Camaro, it's got all the it's got the deck lids right, the hood's right, everything's right. You can't tell me that you cannot have a modern looking Pro Stock look like the actual car. Here's the problem. It is in fact the competitors. Everybody wants to blame the NHRA. No, it's not. It's the competitors. What they want to go faster. They want to go as fast as they can. I've asked the funny car guys, hey, what would you think if you had a modern-looking Camry with a nostalgia <laughs> flair? What I mean by that? It looked like a Camry, but it was a funny car body. It took cues from the old days. Like the old modern. Chargers and
0: stuff. Right? right,
2: but it was a modern car. Here's the response. Man, you know, that would be cool, but I want to go as fast
0: as I can. Hmm. Yeah. The
2: competitors are
0: a part of this, not
2: just a sanctioning body.
0: And let's side note that, too, going off on on the dog legs like we like to do here at GBR. (laughs) um, Let's talk about Pro Mod. Do you think that if Pro Mod got away from all the super aerodynamic bodies, which at this point, you know, prefacing this, you would have to say no 63 Corvettes because they're also super aerodynamic. Uh, but if you brought back the Willys, if you brought back, like, Superbirds and Challengers and Chargers and, you know, 69 Camaros, things like that, I just feel like that separates ProMod from Pro Stock so much. Like, that's what it originally was. Like, if you look back in the day before, like, now everybody that's listening to this might know Quain and Mitch Stock from, like, South Beach Gassers, which I guess it's more Quain than it is Mitch, but... I remember Queen and Mitch Stott fighting with each other in IHRA Pro Mod back in the Scotty Cannon days, whenever Pro Mod was cool, in my opinion. and it's not, it's not uncool now by any means, but you have to admit, it was way cooler back then.
1: At least on the NHRA scale of things, I agree with you, Casey. But just like Lee has on his hat, PDRA, they, you call it what you want. Those are Pro Mods, and that's how I view them, and they are sick. On that, in that light of things, um, man, ProMod ain't going anywhere over there. PDRA. So, I had, sorry, Lee, I cut you off. I have oh, no, you're
2: there. fine, man. You're fine. Uh, you make, and you make a great point on PDRA and ProMod right now. And we're talking about body styling and the look and the appeal, but ProBoost, oh my goodness. <laughs> like there, you cannot project who has a shot for that championship It's like the whole entire field still has a shot If you make the show in Pro Boost There's no telling who is going to win Granted, right now Pro Nitrous it's really kind of a race for second Unless just, you know, I don't know Jim Halsey gets COVID or something at this point I mean, that's what it's going to have to take It seems like him and Brandon Switzer They just have got it figured out with that team but on the stylization of these cars, I agree, Casey. I think back in the day, if you will, that, yes, Pro Mod was more exciting. I mean, y'all remember the Lamborghini? I remember the Lamborghini yes. with a big old you yeah, know, out of it. I remember loved his
0: throttle getting stuck, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you had the Lamborghini. You had Scotty Cannon with uh, the Willis, you had Berettas, you had uh, Sox and Martin with the uh, Fairlane or Falcon for, you know, a time. Uh, I mean, yeah, right now, this is, I've been musing about why do we find in Pro Mod right now, it is either a late model Camaro, a 69 Camaro, or a 69 Mustang, and that's kind of it. Well at least in the NHRA. You look at PDRA, you get a little bit more flexibility, but it's heavily dominated by those body styles. The only thing I can come up with is it must cost so much to create these carbon fiber panels now for these race shops that when you go to buy your body and they've got it sitting over there, The margin is so different from, oh, I want to create a Studebaker body, which I know they're out there. I'm just pulling that right now, of a modern flair compared to, oh, let me buy the Camaro that you already got that's $20,000 cheaper. I think that's what's going on. For example, you've got the company, uh, maybe a month, two months ago, they announced that they're coming out with a Fox Body Pro Mod body, which... Mind you, it I think it, it looks, looks good. good, and I'm looking forward to that because I think that would add some flair into the pro mod ranks of a very popular body style. Granted, they need to stop it in no prep. Everybody's got a doggone fox body. Everywhere you turn, fox body, fox body, fox body. Fox body. Like, please, guys, pick something else. Someone show up with a Capri, for goodness sakes. I mean, it's, somebody figure it out. What? I would love to see it in pro mod, and it just give a little bit of a flair, a little bit of a twist, and I think you will see more of them because someone stepped out and said, we're gonna make it, we're gonna build it. You know, if- That's the only thing I can come up with right now.
0: If they had one rule, I really think that if if they could have this one rule and it would fix a lot of the, even participation, but fan participation and everything. I really think if they had the one rule and they would have to take it out of the no prep handbook, but steel roof and quarters, if you did that, the car is forced to look pretty much stock. You could swoop it out a little bit, but not in the spots where it makes it look like a car. Like you could swoop the nose down, a lot of people aren't going to do that. And the reason why, in my opinion, I think the pro mods of PDRA look cooler than the pro mods of NHRA. Is because an eighth mile aerodynamics don't matter so much you can overpower the aerodynamic disadvantage uh, beyond that you can't necessarily that's how you overcome that but if they made that one rule i think pro stock and pro mod would be
1: almost fixed immediately yeah so i agree with 100 too and i guess i'm gonna lead to our next question here it's it's a, it's not necessarily off topic because we're still talking about how to, you know, increase fan participation. Uh, and, and certainly, if you guys agree in the chat, feel free to, to keep chopping away there. Sorry, we're not, you know, we're not hitting them as much as we can there, but we appreciate you. Don't don't think we don't. Uh, but I got a question surrounding simulation. Um, do you think NHRA could benefit from an iRacing game or series? Uh, because... Everybody knows NASCAR's doing it. I got a few buddies in the chat right now who's a big-time uh, racer, uh, Mr. Brad Gephardt, I see you out there. He's an the iRacer. Monday morning racer. Yeah, Monday morning, 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 racer. morning racer. Hello. Does the NHRA need racing? I can remember the times back in the day where NHRA came out with a game here and there, and they did this and they did that. But, man, I'll tell you what. It isn't four monitors in one place. And look on this monitor to see where that guy is over there or that monitor. No, it's not like that. You have to have a, a, a massive steering wheel with a high-tech computer. Can the NHRA create a iRacing series? Should they? I will, so,
2: oh, can okay. they or should they, or both?
1: I kind of want you to say both, but I, I, need, I need your answer. You, you can take oh, it where yeah. you want to, Lee. I know right. it's going somewhere good.
2: Should they? Yes. Next question. No. Next question. So, that, so you know, look, when, when the – I think the prime example of to show how important it is, when the pandemic hit and everybody's like, oh, we can't go out, we can't do this, we can't do that, go in your homes, well, guess who was still able to live up to their TV contract obligations? NASCAR.
0: NASCAR.
2: And IndyCar to a degree and F1. They have – those platforms, whether iRacing or F1 with its own game, uh, so on and so on. Yes, we need a professional-level sim for the NHRA. I think this game that they are coming out with is a first step to that. I have heard, though, some people are seriously concerned because I think it's game meal entertainment. Uh, They produced the Street Outlaw game, and it was not great. Hopefully they'll take a step forward. Hopefully it's a move forward for them. Because oftentimes game developers, they put a first game out. It doesn't go over well, but they learn from their mistakes. The next game is that much better. I hope that's the case with the NHRA game. But I can remember playing the drag racing game when it first came out on PC. I remember playing drag racing games on the PlayStation. PlayStation. I remember encountering people who went to an IHRA race because IHRA had a game also mm-hmm. yep. in that time. And yep. so there is definitely a place for it, and it would give a place for our superstars in this sport to go out there and in the offseason or in between the breaks. You know, drag racing has bigger breaks than NASCAR does. True. To keep them in front of people and, and keep them in front of people for their sponsors and for their teams and for the sport, we need it. We definitely
1: need it. We've got to figure it out. It's it's huge, too. And I've got Gilbert Lindsay in here saying PCE. And I think he's talking about Player's Choice Edition. And it was a extremely well-made bracket racing game by Bethesda. I grew up on that game. I started playing it when I was – Supremely young, uh, I didn't have the ability to go to go drag racing as far as financially. So everybody, if you're following the, the going bracket racing YouTube channel, you know that my skills and ability to drag race not it didn't just come from standing behind my dad, watching him do it. That helped a ton. Don't get me wrong. It came when I got home and figured out how to how to um, put a drag racing game on M Player like he's mentioning right here, in Cali. Obviously, Gilbert Lindsay. I was MPG GX Jr., by the way. You, I'm speaking to Gilbert Lindsay. He says he was Nipsey on, on M-Player. I was also Racer X on M-Player, too. But we had competitions where live, real people, drag raced against each other, created their cars, even point series. Hey, if you win 10 out of these races, there's a $50 purse at the end for free. Just point series going on. The impact of that. You got little eight year olds, man, they're kicking your butt. But they're only and that's eight. The point. You that's the point
0: I want to make, George, is that it's getting people involved. And if you can't get people involved, how could you ever expect those people to go out and buy a car and come to participate in your event? Because whenever you're eight years old, maybe you can for Christmas time your your family will buy you a fifty dollar game, but When you're 16, they're not going to buy you a $50,000 racing setup because I mean, long story short, you need a tow vehicle, cheapest tow vehicle you're going to get. That's reliable is going to be at least $5,000. You need an open trailer. Yeah. Maybe you get one of those that's decent for $2,500 and you need a car and any race car, even the slowest race car, you're going to easily have 10 grand wrapped up in that, but 50 bucks is what got that kid being like, okay, I'm gonna have me a paper route now. I'm gonna save me some money so that way, whenever I'm 16, and I'm old enough that I can run the street class, you know, something like that.
1: Man, I was that kid. I learned how to bottom ball brace on burnout, uh, PCE, whatever you wanna call it. I learned how to top ball brace, I learned how to dial a car, I learned how to read the altitude, the weather, the tire pressure, everything.
0: Now that you've learned those basics, you don't have to learn those the hard way now. You at least have the basics so you don't get your teeth kicked in and get discouraged <laughs> and be like, this isn't for me, man. These guys are, this, I'm just a participant. No, you go out there, you win first round, and you're like, hey, I won a round.
1: Hey, and I'll tell you it. what. I'll tell you what, NHRA creates this. I think I'm gonna fight each of you to be the first one in line, <laughs> I promise. Because I am buying instantly. I am a catalyst of simulators. Not to mention, I have two young kids that I will get right on top of it instantly because I plan to put them in a junior car eventually. You know, So that that's just, man, SHRA, I hear you, David Ferguson. I remember all those games. As a matter of fact, I still got them. I got them all on a, on a hard drive just sitting here. Uh, but none of the systems work anymore to where you can play those simulators, unfortunately. But no, Casey, Casey question seven. Lee, you got anything to add? I do, I no, do, yep. on
2: the demand factor. So in the iRacing communities I am, you will have this question pop up every now and then, does iRacing need to add drag, drag racing? And there are some detractors who have, I think, no clue what drag racing really is. And I thoroughly enjoy iRacing when I have time to get on. I haven't had time in a long time, but it's a lot of fun. And it, 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 it allows you to create a subculture that feeds back into the real product. There is demand for it on iRacing. There is a league on iRacing, the name fails me. They will take the old Formula One cars, like the Lotus, and they will go to Sears Point, or excuse me, they will go to Sonoma, Sears Point, that's aging me, and they will Sneak on to the drag strip because the drag strip is modeled in iRacing. You can get onto the drag strip at Sonoma and they will drag race with the old Lotus F1 cars. So there's already a demand. There's already drag racing happening on iRacing.
0: There you go. There you go. See, there's that's showing the need for it right there. I mean, there's no other outlet for it. You think those people wouldn't buy that? Of course they would.
1: I don't think it's a secret either because NHRA has, and like I said, Lee, I played on PlayStation. I played on computer. I have played Top Fuel versus something else. I have played I played all of them when the first pro stock one came out. I think we were only running like 660s. Some of us got down in 650s. Um, I played them all. So NHRA knows that a simulating game, a, a game, it, it could go a long ways. And I think they just lost sight of that. Because if you ask me, NHRA was, everybody was really doing it because I played NASCAR back in the day too, but NHRA was starting to put it out online early on. So they just kind of walked away from it a little bit if you ask me. So uh, Casey, you got the next question, man. That was a great one, by the way, good one.
0: And this is, uh, this is a good one too. We're giving MMR the magic wand here, man. He's, he's in control of the NHRA and money is no object. He can do whatever he wants. So. And it doesn't have to necessarily even, even exist currently in any series. This is a strictly an MMR opinion right here. You're hearing it here first on the Golden Bracket Racing YouTube channel, Monday morning racer. What class do you think needs to be added to the NHRA professional ranks in 2022, as far as getting fans involved with drag racing? Or you could just change what's already there, you know, anything you want.
2: I'm going to give you two. I'm going to answer your question straight up of what class. I'm going to answer that. I would like to see factory stock included into the professional ranks. With this caveat of you cannot tamper with the car. Because we've got a problem right now in factory stock. That these guys are buying the cars, are stripping the cars, rebuilding the cars. And they basically got as much as pro pro stocker, if not more, in the car. Which I'm just like... And I, I, I bet the NHRA is kinda like, hmm. well darn. <laughs> and that's just and that's what racers do, don't get me wrong. They're competitive. Racers are gonna find a way to go around rules and create a better competitive edge for themselves to go win. I get it, but like the essence, the heart of what factory stock was, that cat side in the back <laughs> unless someone goes out and wrangles that thing. The the second Point or second comment I want to make doesn't necessarily pertain to a class. If I could wave that magic wand over the NHRA, I want to see the NHRA experiment with door slammer standalone professional races. Hmm. I would as well. Where pro mod, pro stock, and maybe even Pro Stock Motorcycle are the only thing on the ground, along with the sportsman glasses and Nitro's not there at select venues and events. I would
1: like to see them experiment with that. How – how, how, and this is just bridging off of that. How cost-effective could that be? Because I don't see a major gap in having a second series is basically what I just heard you say. Do you think that's attainable cost-wise? Like, let's have this NHRA door slammer series. That sounds great. You heard it here first, so I'm going it. NHRA door slammer series. That sounds great. Is it feasible, is the question, monetarily? I think it is
2: feasible, because you already see it with ProMod.
1: Right,
0: and do you think that, Mm. we we asked Wes this, and we'll ask you this as well, do you think, I mean, it makes complete sense to me, but do you think that having at least a door car out there that as as little as a Pro Mod does resemble a real 2015 Camaro, whatever they are now, but don't you think that that still makes the average person look at that car and be like, oh, it's got stickers on it, looks like a Camaro, it generally, generally looks like a Camaro. A funny car will never look like a Camaro. You know what I mean? Like And a top fuel dragster, the average person, they'll never have one of them, and they know that. But somebody can look at that and be like, oh, cool, I want the Camaro wing because I'm a Camaro guy. Oh, I want the Mustang wing because I'm a Mustang guy, you know? Hmm. Hmm.
2: I find the problem right now with even that and, like, looking at it. Well, who's looking at them? Let me say this. I love drag racing. I am a super fan of drag racing to the extent that i pursued being in media. In drag racing and now work with a team on the top fuel side of things and social media and trying to, you know, pursue even deeper into the sport. We have a problem with the average fan right now. I don't care what you do. When Top Fuel's done, when Funny Car's done, people are leaving the stands. I don't understand it. I have never grasped it. I was always that guy that stayed in the stands from alcohol all the way through the pro classes. I don't get it. But we've got a problem with that right now. Because as much as people love to say on the forums, Oh, it's replaced Pro Mod for Pro Stock. That wouldn't change anything. I see right. just as many people leave the stands if Pro Mod is actually up before or, or whatever. They, they, they leave. You and know, I, again, I, that goes back to why I would like to see door, door slammer alone NHRA events and, and what, make them the stars.
0: What you said makes complete sense, too, because the thing is, is whenever you put, it goes back to what Quainstot says about southeast gassers, why he has no clocks and things like that. Because the problem is, is you have such a spectacle in Fuel Funny Car and Top Fuel Dragster that it makes these pro mods and pro stocks seem unimportant. But if they were there by themselves, they're setting the world on fire, you know, because if you have, a, if you have a, uh, for example, Jay Cox's shop is right down the road from my house pretty much. And I was at Test and Tune at and He regularly rinsed the track at Gallant to test and things like that. Well, I showed up there and Jay Cox was still testing. He was making 60 foot passes just to see if the nitrous came on, I presume, lifting at 60 foot and ran 506 three times in a row. The dragster I had at that time had a 468 in it and all out the fastest it ever went was like 516, you know? But the point is, is that because that car is in that environment, now it's the spectacle and nothing else is important, you know? And people need to take a page out of Quain's book and be like, hey man, like you'll never get rid of clocks in the NHRA because that's what it stands for, is the quickest and fastest accelerating vehicles on the planet. But, so I'm not saying turn the clocks off, but I really do, I agree with you that why not with the fuel classes dwindling down because they are so expensive, why not separate them from the rest of the classes and you have those classes here and then you have fuel classes by themselves and they have all the pay area and they still have all the sponsorship opportunities because now there's less people and less people means more people coming to your trailer because you know as well as anybody that you go to these big events you can't possibly go to every single trailer no chance no No. chance no you can't you can't
2: I I, again, I would like to see those those standalone type of events uh, you know maybe not even it being a standalone series, but you know right now, pro stock is running eighteen races, I believe it is Pro mod is running twelve races, and the pro mod people will tell you they don't want to run anymore because most of these guys are business owners they don't have time that's another problem with everybody saying, "Oh, put pro mod there they don 't want any more people." They're tapped out as it is with NHRA racing and then go run a few outlaw events or try to do PDRA a couple of times, too. They're just tapped out. But let's see them two, three times a year combined, uh, running just door cars. They get the national TV exposure on Fox, FS1. And also then you can shorten the top fuel schedule, but you can spread NHRA drag racing out to be a direct competitor with NASCAR on TV more regularly instead of having the gaps that there are currently in NHRA, NHRA coverage. And it can, stays a continual topic throughout the uh, race season.
0: And I, I would love expand. to see it. That could even expand the fuel ranks because if somebody knew that they could potentially compete for a championship because there's only, you know, 10 races now rather than 20 races, now maybe they can be like, well, I think I could make at least eight of those and I could make 10 if I was doing good, you know, and so it could actually be beneficial for the nitro ranks. Maybe they could bring nostalgia funny cars in there. Oh, if you
2: if you talk to, you know, my boss, Doug Foley, with Foley Lewis Racing, he's going to tell you adamantly, we need to run less races. Everyone out there right now is saying we need to run, well, I don't want to speak for everyone. Sure. I would say the majority, they want to run less races. And it fascinates me, the chatter from individuals that will say, oh, we can't, do less races, that means we're giving up, or it's less prestigious. Folks, there was a time when the national events, well, there was just one. Then there was just two. Then for a long time, there was just four. And I think as far as we've gone in the professional ranks of NHRA drag racing, we've forgotten what the NHRA national event really meant because everybody at one time did divisional racing.
0: Top fuel drivers did divisional racing. Like you know, national events used to be like, for, for bracket racers that everybody is on this channel will understand this, national events used to be the bracket finals. Correct. You know, gotcha. everybody gets together and now you're on one team and you all race together type thing. It wasn't like a team thing, but
1: you know what I mean bunch of game points for your team to get the track championship.
0: That was the Mecca.
2: That's my point. And it was huge. And, look, I remember being a part of that. Still Alabama, first time ever going to Still Alabama, IHRA World Finals. I think it's like 96, 97. I'm in my junior dragster, the little Carolina kid, junior dragster. And it's so funny. Me and my, my mom, my dad, my, we all we, we get we get to the track and we see junior dragsters in the lanes. No jokes. We get to the track, junior dragsters are in the lanes. And we're just going about our you know, we're not in a rush. We think it's just time trials and we're just gonna miss that time trial. When well, we get word, oh no, it's E one. So we Yeah, yeah. Like who changed this on us? Well, we throw the car off the trailer. We, I throw a dial in on it. I suit up, put us in the lanes, win round one.
1: That's what I'm You no, already won, right? There. Right.
2: Win, we win round two. We win round three. I am in the finals. <laughs> First ever world bracket finals. I'm not supposed to be there because as a rookie, I didn't finish well enough in the track points. Wow. ...to be there, but the person that was supposed to go About said that, and I got the nod. Here I am. I'm in the finals of the World Bracket Finals. First time ever, IHRA, rookie year, junior dragster. And guys, those old Briggs and Stratton engines, they're rather temperamental, those original operators. There came a cloud out of nowhere. This cloud that covered the entire track. And you could see the cloud sweep over as I was putting the top bulb on... <laughs> and I, at the time, I'm thinking nothing about it, but my dad, who was the tuner, is like, oh, oh he man. Didn't, he didn't say, oh, no, but you know what he said. Right. And, <laughs> and I put in, I cut a light, go out there. I was the slower car. A guy had to catch me. And it had been so consistent all day, guys. I didn't bother lifting. I didn't bother doing anything on the top end. I blew my dial in off the board. <laughs> I went the fastest I had ever went in the finals. We both broke out. I broke out way, wor- way worse. And yeah, I got up and got my. I got my picture. In uh, Drag Review, IHRA, and the trophy was bigger than me, and that was a cool deal, but yeah, you no know, bracket finals or national events, I would say at one time they meant a lot more, and we have now had so many of them added, I think it's really cheapened what a national event means. It is.
0: Well, George Hoff says right here that the bracket finals used to mean so much more, all caps too, used to mean so much more than they do today. And that's the truth too, because I can tell you right now that, uh, to be quite honest with you, you know, whenever I was, uh, so I'm 34 now, but I mean, I've, I've been racing for since I was 10, but even been racing the bigger cars, obviously since I was 16, so almost 20 years. And I don't know that depending on where the bracket finals were, like if they were in Memphis or something, I don't know that I would go because I, I don't care. And there's why is
1: that? You know, I think it's, it's just times. It's just the times now. It's just so much going on. But I can remember, you know, I'm 36 going to Indy, uh, but the fight leading up to the bracket, the bracket finals was what was the most fun to participate in. Going to your local track, and by all means, guys, make sure you're supporting your local track. Whatever you got to do to support it, even if you show up, show up at Eighth Mile. Uh, I'm gonna show up to my local track on my on my scooter since my my leg is hurt, and <laughs> and, and and I'm gonna cash from foot to knee, but I'm still gonna show up, show up to your local tracks, participate. But remember, I can remember it back in the day man there would be so many cars there and they're only getting 16 i think it was 16 people would go from that local track to the bracket finals correct me if i'm wrong but i think it was 16 and the fight to get in that top 16 was what i i lived for it's always awesome to go to a racetrack and watch people battle to get to get to the bracket finals uh we got to bring that back too I don't, I don't care how we do it it's got to become more more of a thing even if that's increasing the purse if we can but i know MMR, Monday Morning Race, Lee Craft, you are on the Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel right now, and I'm going to ask a question that, that I expect to get a whole lot of blowback from it. I just don't care. Uh, you might know my answer. You might, you might not like it. Who, in your opinion, is the greatest pro stock racer of all time, and why do you think it?
2: All right. So greatest pro stock racer. We are we are limiting category.
1: Yep. Only okay. pro stock in here and I will do you one better because it's it's not quite time for her to be the greatest of all times, but she's got the best shot at it right now. She's leading it in my opinion, but who's your who's yours?
2: Well, I will say that Anytime you talk about the greatest of all time, it is an extremely hard conversation to have because I love the principles of errors. Like, you've got periods in time. For example, right now it would be hard not to say that Tom Brady is not the greatest of all time, but the caveat is of the modern era. I don't think you can compare Tom Brady and Johnny Unitas. I think that's very hard to do. Very hard to do to the pro stalker though if i had to as of right now say greatest of all time for me it still has to be bob glidden
0: yes and i would say that it would actually have to be lee shepherd had he not died who knows what would have happened because there's a very good possibility it would not be rear morrison it would be shepherd rear morrison because i'm fairly certain that lee shepherd was actually the first person to start raising the ports on big block Chevy cylinder heads.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm fairly certain that is true. And he wasn't doing it with all these CNC machines and all that. So I would say if you're saying the greatest driver of all time might be a different story than the greatest pro-stock racer of all time because the pro-stock racers of the 80s and even the 90s And obviously 60s and 70s, things like that. I can't remember whenever – when did pro stock become a category? Didn't uh, Buddy Martin, didn't he help invent the rules for pro stock way back when?
2: I think it was 1970s, the first year for actual pro stock as we understand it.
0: Right. So back then, they were inventing things and driving. And I think that is different, and that is more, in my opinion, what pro stock should be rather than – Right now, let's just say Casey is a billionaire, let's just hypothetically say, which would be great, by the way. If that was, then we would have a much better setup right here. But, uh, but anyways, if Casey was a billionaire, Casey could go to Elite Motorsports right now and buy everything Casey needed and pay somebody to tune it and be just
1: as competitive with anybody, in my opinion. So so if you guys if you guys and I, I wanted to put the thought process in the question out there saying having the chance to become as well. My favorite pro stock racer and who I think would probably be the greatest of all time if we go on your hierarchy of errors would be Warren Johnson for me. Sorry, that that, that guy paved the way in my opinion for that particular class uh, when he started doing what he did. And, he, and then he brought Kirk right on behind him. So, But currently, currently, the one racer that I can say is on track to be the GOAT is Erica Enders. Why do I say it? It's because it's, it's like it's ice that runs through her veins. It's like it's, it's, oh, you think you're about to beat me? I'm triple O especially that dog fight I watched against Jason Line a few years back where Jason Line's like 001 or 005 or something. She's triple O right behind so and the like, two right, people
0: the, the two people you just mentioned, George, racquet racers.
1: Fact, fact. Okay. So oh, that well, doesn't, racket racer. that isn't the only reason why I'm taking Erica Enders as the eventual GOAT. Uh, if you ask me who's the greatest basketball player of all time, anybody who's in the chat can probably answer the question without without even thinking about it. Based on my thought process with Eric Enders, it's LeBron James. Don't don't fight it. Don't question it. Don't do anything. He's going to be the greatest basketball player of all times, based on what he's doing in modern day, right? But Eric Enders, in my opinion, has man, she's come against a lot, and everybody can say, all right, yeah, they they paved the way of the sport. They did this. They did that. She entered a sport that was male dominated. Number one male-dominated. I don't care how you look at it. You're going against that particular aspect of things, and you're smoking them at the same time. Eric Enders, you get a nod from me. And I hope I get to watch you drive that uh, thing back to the pits in the next race. I won't say what you say. <laughs> what do we got left, Casey, man? This is getting all over the place. Well,
2: on, on what you're saying, George Casey, there is no doubt that You've got to already give it to Erica Enders that she is the greatest of all time as a female pro stock racer. Hands down. Hands down. There's no, there is no argument there, ladies and gentlemen. There is, in fact, no argument. Now, now, I've become a bit infamous and people must think like I don't like Erica. No, I am an Erica Enders fan. I love Erica. If it wasn't for Erica, I might not have even had the esteem to be where I'm at today. She was one of the she was one of the first racers to ever give me an interview. Atlanta, Georgia, Southern Nationals, 2019. I had just talked to I had just talked to uh, Andy Rawlings, and I turn I turned around and and the Pro Mod pits were over there. Pro Stock wasn't there, but pro, at the time, Erica was in the in the Pro Mod car. And she had a line, and I got in line, and when it came my time, instead of wanting an autograph, I said, hey, can I set my camera up and get an interview? And she's like, yeah, sure. And she's always treated me with a lot of, a lot of grace and given me her time and very appreciative of that. But I commented off of Wes Buck mentioning that she – he said that she is the greatest female racer of all time. Did not – specified pro stock did not specify even drag racer but said greatest female racer of all time and by the way west buck can be wrong and if i got to be the guy every now and then <laughs> say that west buck is wrong cuz everybody just loves west don't get me wrong i like west love west too he's a great guy he's always been very kind to me and gracious to even even acknowledge my existence but he was wrong and he's wrong because When you start comparing, again, eras and what's been done, right now, the greatest female racer of all time has to be Shirley Muldowney. Even when you start comparing to like Janet Guthrie's and other individuals that have been females in racing, don't even mention Danica Patrick. Please do not. Do that, please. <laughs> wow. But but when it comes to female racers, the greatest of all time right now is Shirley Muldowney. But here is my case, and I said this in my rant, as I'm saying right now. Can we just let her die until before we take the crown, arra- crown away? Because when Shirley passes on, the crown automatically should be christened upon Erica Emers. I admit that, but let's let the woman go on.
0: Agree. Oh, I agree with you, me. I think actually, as soon as he said that, you and I got in on that immediately with the Shirley Muldowney comment. Um, so I 100% agree with you there, but uh, yeah, I'm not taking anything away from Erica because like I said earlier, if you're talking about the greatest pro stock driver, then that is most certainly, she's definitely in the running for it. If, if she's not at the top, she's definitely in the running for it, absolutely. And the longer she can do it, the more she's gonna run away with it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so Lee, one of our final questions here Who do you think, obviously back in the day, whenever we were kids, whenever there was inside drag racing, things like that, I think, no questions asked, Brett Kebner was the most influential person in drag racing. Or, you know, was then Ted Jones, wasn't that the guy from Louisiana that had a great speaking voice? Was that him? Yes, Ted Jones. So, anyway, uh, Steve Evans, those guys. Bob Fry, obviously. Who is the most influential person in drag racing today? Who is, who is going to be our era of uh, the Brett Kepner or the Steve Evans or the Bob Fry? Who is that?
2: Well, if I have any say in it, it's going to be me. No, no, no. I, got, <laughs> I was going to I, I got a ways to go. i got a ways to go. And look, it has been a wonderful ride. And look, gentlemen, I've created a persona, the shades, the hat, the beard, and I created even a logo with it. And I can't shave now, so there went that. <laughs> uh, but if I've got to be the black hat member of the media, I've, I'll take that moniker up and I'll be it. If, you know, if I if I've got to say Brian Loans, you're wrong. Fine. If I got to say West Buck, you're wrong. Fine. I think we need a little bit of that chippery even amongst the media. I love all those guys, and I have their contact information, and I'm I'm, I'm And I love interacting with them, but we need someone saying instead of lockstep with everybody else in the media, whoa, whoa, hold on a minute. Let's think about this. (laughs) And if I got got to be that guy, I'll be that guy. Maybe famous, maybe infamous. But right now, I would have to say that most influential person, it's it's more likely going to be Brian Lone's. I feel that he is that individual. With his writing, with the philosophy that's tied into the way in which he interprets the sport, I think he is going to be that guy that for years on down the road, people are going to mention him in the line of Brent Kepner. Steve Evans, Dave McDavid, Dave McClellan, and Bob Fry, so on and so on. I think he's the guy. I
1: agree. I thought you would say that too. Uh, uh, I almost called you West Buck. Sorry. Right. Sorry. Sorry. You
2: better curse me.
0: Sorry.
1: <laughs> Lee, Lee, I, I think that too. Um, and uh, I, I really do like his – I like his effort to move, and he's kind of moving his way in between NHRAs, hitting bracket racing. I think he, he's just multi – Lots of talented. He's got a real good history background of the sport, and that's just great. All I know is uh, we started a war. I you got a good, good old chat going on here with Eric and his comments, and, and uh, I might have lost a few friends. Dylan, and Mr. Champ himself, has already said, I knew I liked Casey better. Well, dang, Champ, gonna throw me out there. Like, I'm not lying. She's still a goat. It's okay. Yeah, and we can disagree.
2: You also started like, the MJ LeBron <laughs> yeah, I got a few
1: tonight, <laughs> I got a few of those in the chat too, man. Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. Uh Kavanaugh, I'm sorry, man. Uh I got a couple hey. of LeBron James. I do. But if we're talking we're eras, if we do eras, then I understand where you come. And that's a well-put statement, too, Lee. It's kind of tough to compare uh, different eras like that, but I'm going to do it anyway. LeBron James got everybody beat. And Erica's gonna beat everybody.
0: Uh, those two conversations there, as far as the greatest basketball player of all time and the greatest pro stock racer of all time, that's a lot of me and George's conversations. So, And I'm on Kev's team, too, just oh, so you know. Come on, now. <laughs>
1: Well, before we get out of here, Monday Morning Racer, what do you got going on this week on the uh, Morning Morning Racer uh, TV show? I know you'll be on the Power Hour, which I'll catch uh here in a little bit. Uh, uh, what you got going on this week as far as schedule? All
2: right, gentlemen. So 9 p.m. tonight, the Competition Plus Power Hour will be live along with my co-host, Slam and Sam, and we will have... Greg Carlow on. He's a top fuel competitor. He mainly runs the West Coast. I actually was able to interview him at Las Vegas for the first event uh, out there this year and looking forward to having him on. And as I love to call him, the big chief of the PDRA, Tommy Franklin, he will be on as our second guest. So looking forward to talking drag racing, me and Sam back and forth and kind kind of doing our model of Skip Bayless and... Shannon Sharp, and obviously you can clearly tell who's who with being light and dark, and beard and not, and hat, and all, all those things. So, looking forward to that, and my show, Between the Slicks, where we talk about everything drag racing, for example... I'll have NHRA stars. I'll have media personalities. Last week, we had Quayne Stock of the Southeast Gasters on for a midseason report and looking to the end of the season and what to expect. This week, though, Thursday night, Monday Morning Racer platform on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, we're going to have Chris King on. He's going to be making his NHRA Funny Car debut mile high there at Vandamere raceway and he has an interesting background. He's actually a Chicago firefighter stepping into a nitro car. And there's a lot of there's a lot of things that could go wrong and right storyline wise in a funny car and you're a firefighter. I just I hope none of that comes true. But yes, I mean it just I can see Brian playing off of and the firefighter is engulfed in flames <laughs> you
0: know, well it won't be anything he's not used to guess. Right that's True. right that's right True. that's
2: that's what's happening and uh, later on this week i also will have a, a video on, can i talk a little bit of national is yeah, that okay go for it I, I will have a video about bowman gray stadium racing bowman gray is one of the oldest NASCAR home tracks, NASCAR sanctioned tracks that there is. So many greats have come from that place and have roots at that place in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And I had the honor of being on the media list past this past weekend and was there for photography and video and putting a video together it's saying why you need to attend a race at Bowman Gray. To me, it's up there with Daytona. Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Lucas Oil Raceway Park, Pomona, those type of events. It needs to be on an American motorsports race fan list, definitely.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, You can catch Lee. Of course, we have all his links here. I think we've got definitely his Facebook. And then from his Facebook, you can get anywhere you want to go on the Monday Morning Racer uh, Facebook page there. Uh, Before I get out of here, I'm going to hand it over to my partner. You got any closing remarks?
0: Only closing remarks I have is, uh, as always, we appreciate everybody being here with us. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on that YouTube channel. Hit the like button. And then go over and check out MMR, man. Check out the Monday Morning Racer. He has some great shows over there. The show that he just had with Quain last week was an awesome show. Um, And just don't miss it. We won't be here with you this coming week. George is actually flying out. Kind of by my house. We're doing the wedding ceremony that never happened last year. George is the minister in that ceremony. So my boy George, he's actually going to uh, remarry my wife and I that have been together for about a year now. Uh, Not together, guys. It wasn't a shotgun type deal. (laughs) We've been together several years before that, but we we were married last year legally. Obviously couldn't do that because of COVID. Um, so maybe we'll check in with you at the party and everything. We'll have tons of bracket racers out there and I'm sure we'll all be in a group hanging out, talking, and uh, maybe you'll get some good
1: conversation out there. So we will see you the week after next. Yeah. Hey, before we get out of here, I'm going to give a little bit of shout out to our sponsors. I I may have heard a little secret and I'm going to drop it here. So if you didn't watch the end of this video, I mean, you're just getting some big time insider information from me. But the boys over at BRG are thinking about doing some giveaways here pretty soon. And you can't be entered into those giveaways unless you hit that like and subscribe button on the YouTube channel. So may have heard it here first, but I think there's 10 of them roughly. So guys, okay. get get ready. There's some giveaways coming down the pipeline. And at the same time, I'm going to send a good shout out to our uh, the guy you and I like a, a whole lot, Casey. He's got an excellent um, social media following. He's back behind the wheel of a top fuel race car this time, Mr. Alex Laughlin. I'm glad to see him back in a race car for crying out loud. So uh, I will be tuned in to watch it. Alex. Good luck out there. Uh, Do your thing. And uh, for now, we will see you not next Tuesday, but the Tuesday after next. Thanks for joining in, guys.